Hey, architecture firm owners and emerging leaders, get ready for unparalleled insight into the development of a world-class architecture firm and a worldwide organization driving the digital transformation of the design and construction industry with Build Smart, the podcast that's changing how our profession operates. We share the incredible stories behind innovation in the building industry with my friend and co-host, Patrick McLaney, FAIA, former CEO of the international architecture firm, HOK. You know, Yamasaki's office or firm lasted during his lifetime. And when he passed away, I think that was the end of the Yamasaki office. Helmut did not want that. He wanted a firm that would live out and grow beyond the founders. In season one, discover the untold stories behind HOK's meteoric rise, from 150 employees in St. Louis to a powerhouse with over 1,900 staff members and 27 offices worldwide. You know, they weren't as polite as the Kojima people. That was just boom. And anytime you have a creditor, whether it's Kojima or the bank, that wants their money, unless you can raise money someplace else, you are out of business. Bankrupt. Bankrupt. And hold on tight for season two, where Patrick takes us on a new adventure as chairman of Building Smart International, shaping the future of digital transformation in the design, construction, and operation of built assets. Ian Howell, Ken Harold, and I, Ken was my technical representative from HOK. The three of us took a tour of Europe of five cities in five days. Very busy time. Simply follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Build Smart Now and uncover lessons that will transform you and your architecture firm. My name is Mark Arlapage, and you are listening to Entree Architect Podcast, where each week I speak with inspiring, passionate people who share their knowledge and expertise, all to help you build a better business as a small firm entrepreneur architect. This is episode 347, Shortlists, matching talented architects with growing institutions with the founder of Dovetail Design Strategists, Susanna Syrofman. This episode of Entree Architect Podcast is supported by our platform sponsors. RCAT, the online resource delivering quality building material information, CAD details, BIM specifications, and so much more, all for free. Gusto, easy online payroll benefits, and HR built for modern small businesses like ours. And Monograph, the time tracking and project management tool built for architects by architects. Susanna Syrofman, welcome to Entree Architect Podcast. Hi, Mark. Thanks for having me today. It's a pleasure to be here. It's great to have you here. Thank you for joining me today. Uh, let me tell our audience who you are, um, share a little bit about you. Dovetail Design Strategists is the leading independent architect selection firm in the United States, serving developers, civic, cultural, and educational institutions looking for world-class architecture and design excellence. Our guest today is Dovetail's founder, Susanna uh, Syrofman. Susanna is a trained architect and draws from an extensive knowledge of the latest design and building trends and unmatched access to both emerging and acclaimed talent in the architecture field. Dovetail's signature methodology and competitive selection process 
tailored to each project, thoughtfully leads its clients to inspired architect shortlists and winning designs as they prepare for growth and enhanced visibility. So Susanna, I gave a little bit about what you do. I want to dive deeper into what you do because I, I find it fascinating. We've talked before um, and I love the idea of you're sort of an architectural matchmaker. You bring architects and institutions together so they can have a really great relationship. And I'm, I'm fascinated by that. And I, and I know our listeners of architects uh, want to know more about that. But before we do that, uh, I want to know more about you. Every episode, we ask our guests origin story. Because um, architects like to know what other architects, how they started, where they discovered their architecture, what inspired them to become architects. So uh, I ask you to go back as far as you want to go back, share with, with us uh, what inspired you to become an architect and and give us a story of that journey to where you are, where you are today. Sure, it's actually a kind of dramatic story. Um, I had originally been studying music. Um, I had gone to Juilliard pre-college, I was studying the cello. Um, and at some point uh, in my college years, I was awarded a scholarship to study in London um, with a very famous teacher who had been the teacher of a very famous cellist. Um, and I moved to London um, to study with, with William Please was his name. Um, and I was steeped in the music world from a very, very young age. Um, and then at some point while I was studying cello in London in the late 1980s, um, a friend introduced me to the Architectural Association School of Architecture in Bidford Square. And I was fascinated by the incredibly vast range of topics that architecture covered. People there were talking about so many exciting ideas and places and possibilities. So um, I had been getting disillusioned with, 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 with a musical career. Um, you know, I, I, I'd say it's sort of like, you know, music is something you do not because you can, it's something you do because you have to. Was, I, was, was the idea for music, was it a, um, from when you were very small? Yeah. I was so, very sort of, small. Yeah, practicing. you sort of decided I'm going to be a professional cellist, and you just sort of you were on. Yeah, that. and you know, as a kid, I would practice six, seven hours a day. Mm -hmm. um, you know, went to summer camp where Josh Bell, the great violinist, was. So I was very, very, very good. Um, but it really, as I said, it's not something you do because you can. You really do it because you have to. And it's also very. It's like sports in a way. It's sort of you know, you, you wake up and every day is focused on on on, on music. And for me, like seeing the world of architecture, at least the world of studying architecture, was so incredibly exciting. What um, time? What time in your life did that happen? Where that you just sort of discovered that, well, maybe there's something else out there for me besides music. Well, then I, you know, I was quite young still, you know, very, very, very young twenties, um, mm -hmm. and 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 I decided that I wanted to study architecture at the AA, and I didn't have a, an appointment or a portfolio, but I showed up at Bedford Square. And I asked to speak with the chairman, who at that time was Alvin Boyarsky, who was a very famous um, architectural educator. Um, and amazing to me, um, I think about it now, but he met with me. Um, we had a one-on-one. -on -one, we had a wonderful conversation. I showed him some glossies of me as a cellist and so on and, and about my career. And he said um, he gave me a, a week-long design assignment. And I can't remember exactly what it was, but I worked really, really hard on it. I made a beautiful model um, of things that I had found in, in the London street, including colored glass blocks. And a week later, I presented this to, 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 to the chairman um, and he accepted me into the school and he even said I could skip their foundation year, which was intended for students without prerequisites. And um, I now uh, proudly hold a diploma from the AA and I loved every minute of studying there. It really, it opened up a whole way of thinking for me. 
Yeah, that's interesting. It's it, it's it's interesting that you were uh, accepted in and sort of bypassed that introductory level because probably your creativity as a cellist probably sort of converted over to architecture. You probably saw, because that first year in architecture school, in most architecture schools, it's sort of, first of all, it's a filter, right? It's, it's yeah. sort of filtering out the architect or the students who aren't really there to become architects, right? right? They think they like architecture, so they take architecture, and then they realize, oh, I don't like this. And, right. and half the school leaves, and the second year is half the, the, the rest of the, you know, the rest of the, the students. Um, and that your creativity as a cellist probably um, clearly demonstrated that you had that ability and that passion for, for design and, and for creativity. I think there's a lot of parallels between music and architecture. And there's that famous Goethe quote um, that architecture is frozen music. Right. Yeah. Um, so, you know, but 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 even on a, a sort of working level, I think that um, the study of music and being a musician gives you a kind of discipline and focus that um, is incredibly useful for, yeah. for, for for architecture. And I think there's actually a lot of, of well-known architects who are musicians, you know, or on the side kind of. Yeah. So, yeah, so it's definitely a relationship. But that. That's how I came to study architecture. So you were accepted in the school. You graduated. You got your degree. Um, where did you go from that? Did you did you stay in London and and work there, or did you come back I, to the states? I did. I stayed in London, um, but while I was still studying to be an architect at the um, AA um, in the mid nineties, I was really fortunate to be commissioned to write a book on contemporary architecture in Chicago. So um, I got paid that summer. I spent the entire summer break before my final year of architecture school, walking and riding the L all around the great city of Chicago, looking for the best examples of new innovative architecture I could find. Not only did I explore over 228 square miles, I met with almost every single architect in my book, which featured 100 buildings all built within the former decade. And then the following year, um, I was commissioned by the same publishers. I was still living in London, but I was commissioned by the same publishers to write a book on contemporary architecture in New York City following the same format. So that was 100 buildings all built within the last 10 years. And I spent another four months walking all over New York City's five boroughs. Wow. And again, I met with almost all of the, architectures, or, um, the architects sorry, featured in my book. And although I didn't realize it at the time, those first two books, two of the five books I subsequently have written on contemporary architecture, laid the foundations for my perspective on architecture and the groundwork for founding my company, Dovetail Design Strategists, many years later. And um, as you know, we're now the leading independent architect selection firm in the States. And what we're known for is promoting design excellence by ensuring our clients preserve the integrity of their vision, what they originally set out to do through a competitive architect selection process. And of course, being trained as an architect myself, I'm a fierce advocate for, for architects. Um, and when both these things come together, the end result is world-class architecture. Yeah, it, that's a fascinating story. I, I wanna go back to those books because you sort of <laughs> just glossed over that. You're in, you're in architecture school and you're still getting your degree, right? Is that what you said? Yes. And yeah. you were commissioned to write a book about contemporary architecture in Chicago. Yeah. How did that happen? I mean, it's, a, <laughs> it's not often that somebody, you know, that somebody who's in architecture school, you know, the publisher shows up and say, hey, you over there, go write a book about contemporary art and we'll send you over there and you can go, or architecture, and you can go study architecture in Chicago. How did, how did that happen? Well, it was fantastic. And in fact, the book became, um, you had to write a, a, a master's thesis um, when you were at the AA in conjunction or separate from a, a, a design project. And, um, and my book served as the, my master's thesis. And I think I was the 
first student to actually have a published book while still studying there. But um, the story, so, so there was, um, the publishers had done a book, this similar format. They were very cute books, sort of gray, chubby books that you could hold in your hand and put in your pocket. The idea was you could walk around with them. So they had done one on London. And in fact, um, a colleague of mine at the AA, another student who had graduated, had written the London Guide. Um, and we were friends and they said they were looking for somebody and, um, and I've always liked writing. I'm very fond of words. Um, and so I assume I was interviewed and, um, and I was selected and they sent me over and it was a phenomenal experience. It really, yeah. really, really was great fun. And they very much allowed me to voice my opinion and the books were quite successful. Um, they're really, really, really interesting, interesting books to write. Are the books still available? I believe they are. I, 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 you'd have to go on, on, on yeah. Amazon. We're going to look them up. If they are available, we'll have links to them so everybody can see what they are. And okay, that would be great. Be, be interesting. Yeah, and then so once you did the one of Chicago, that, that one worked out. And so they came back and said, hey, why don't you want to do one in New York? Yeah, they said, you want to go to New York and, um, and sent me to New York. And in fact, um, I thought I was going to go back to London after writing the New York Guide, but ended up staying here, started teaching up at City College, started writing for all the trade magazines, wrote another um set of books that were not part of that 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 series um so you found a home in new york in new york city yeah yeah so you so you went there to study the architecture meet with the architects write the book right and, that, I, and i study. grew up i grew up i grew up in new york so um you know it was, so you were you were all right home yeah and, and, and i met and i met my husband and you know how it goes i ended up yeah. staying here <laughs> yeah yeah. So there are lots of things sort of kept you in New York City. So you went yeah. basically you went back home, you worked and you found someone that you fell in love with and lived happily ever after. So you're you're you know, you you stayed there. So yeah. that's where you are now. You're based in New York now. So yeah. is yeah. there anything in between that and now in terms of in terms of uh moving? Have you been in New York since then? Yeah, been in been in New York since then. Um, I do the pre pre coronavirus uh, did an extraordinary amount of travel and tried to spend you know a month maybe not consecutively in in London because I love London. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, no, have have lived here in, in Manhattan very happily. So you went back to New York to write this book. Um, you published the book. What what happened between that and Dovetail today? Did you work for other architects? Um. I did actually. So I worked. Um, I founded a firm with with a colleague from the AA. Uh, we did interior architecture for a couple of years. We were actually so you started involved. your own firm. Yeah, started my own firm, um, and we we did uh, a number of um, you know acclaimed projects. We were published, and we got an IIDA award. It was just not for me. Um, and then I worked for Stan Exit at Aaron Krantz Exit and Kuhn, which has sim since been bought by Perkins Easton. So I saw the other side, you know, doing, doing master plans. Yeah. Um, uh, and all the time I taught for a very long time up at City College, which was a great, great place to teach. I taught at Parsons for a while. But, um, you know, all along people were constantly asking me what architecture they use for their projects. And I quickly realized you can't just make a recommendation. It's not like a doctor referral or a restaurant recommendation, but right. that selecting the right architect must really be a process. So I founded Dovetail to fill the gap, the need for clarity, guidance, and selecting the right architecture firm for the right project. And my belief that the right architect for the right project will make for a much smoother, better project and add years to the life of the building and organization is really driven by my deeper belief that design excellence really matters.
We will return to our conversation after this quick break to say thank you to our platform sponsors here at Entree Architect, Arcat, Gusto, and Monograph. Unless you're working for one of the top architecture firms in the world, you know what it's like to work with limited resources. But there's one resource that you can access no matter what size your architecture firm, Arcat.com. Arcat is the online solution for your building product information needs. They offer BIM objects, CAD details, specifications, and much, much more from leading manufacturers from all over the world. Research building products and get the information you need all in the same place, fast and easy. And best of all, it's free. Arcat doesn't charge you anything for these resources. You don't even need to register or give them your email. And when I say it's free, there's no catch. Visit arcat.com and try it out. Search for the resources that you need and Arcat will deliver. That's arcat.com. That's A-R-C-A-T.com. Arcat.com. Build better. Taking care of your employees has never been more important than now. For years, Gusto's been helping more than 100,000 small business owners run payroll, offer benefits, onboard new employees, and more. They call it the people platform. And it doesn't just look nice, and it does look nice. It also works. Your payroll taxes are filed, deductions are calculated, and your team gets paid. You can even offer health insurance and 401ks as you grow. As a listener of the Entree Architect podcast, you will get three months free after your first payroll when you go to entrearchitect.com slash gusto. That's entrearchitect.com slash gusto. And make sure that you let them know that you're a member of the Entree Architect community. Gusto, the people platform. Visit entrearchitect.com slash gusto today. Are you tired of spreadsheets? Of using spreadsheets to keep track of your project plans, your budgets, your staff, your time? Spreadsheets. Our friends at Monograph know what that's like because they're architects too. They know all about that spreadsheet mess that you're dealing with. So they did something about it. Monograph is a time tracking and project management tool built for architects by architects to respond to the challenges that small and medium sized firms face on their quest to a profitable business. With Monograph's integrated suites of tools, you'll stay on track and on budget without the overhead of wrangling spreadsheets every day. Improve your firm's operations today. Try Monograph for free at entrearchitect.com slash monograph. Ditch the spreadsheets. Visit entrearchitect.com slash monograph and try Monograph today for free. Arcat, Gusto, and Monograph. Please visit our platform sponsors today and thank them for supporting you, the Entree Architect community. So with, with Dovetail, how, what are the origins of Dovetail? So you had your own firm. That didn't really work out the way you wanted it to. Um, where, where did the idea for Dovetail come from? You, you mentioned that, that people were asking you. To be clear, Mark, it, it wasn't that it didn't work out the way I wanted to. What I decided it wasn't what I wanted to yeah, do. Well, it, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, That's what yeah, I meant. But yeah. so, so what? What's between that and 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 founding Dovetail? I mean, because you started a company to match architects with with well, institutions. There were, there were a number. There were a number of things. Um, uh, I was hired before I had um, founded Dovetail. The Van Allen Institute um, was in a funny in between stage 
um, and were without a director. So they hired me to run uh, a design competition. And it is a design ideas competition called Urban Voids in Philadelphia. Um, and it turned out incredibly well. It was a really interesting project. It was 40,000 vacant lots, um, you know, what to do with. And, um, and so I put together the entire thing, the jury, the, the, the it was great. Um, and we had a very successful result and I realized I enjoyed that. And also, as I said, all along, people were always asking me, um, you know, what architect should, should I use for what project? And it really is a process. And, um, you know, it, it's, it's a, amazing to me how sometimes, you know, architects are chosen. It's either someone who knows someone who recently did a renovation for them, or it's one of five big names that everybody knows. So it was a real niche that, that needed to be filled. Um, so, so I'm just, I'm trying to understand how, so, so you, you kept being asked for, for these referrals. Did, did your background with the books and the meeting with architects and having those connections and that network and those relationships, did any of that sort of play into having the sort of because you have to have an authority, right? You, institutions coming to you have to know that you have those connections. Right. So right. How, how did those connections be made and how did the institutions know that you had those connections? Well, it's really interesting because I, 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 at first um, I thought that, that Dovetail was going to do primarily developer work. And, um, you know, we had a, had a few projects in the office. I found it, I actually founded Dovetail 2008, January, right before the economy crashed. <laughs> um, perfect timing to start a business. Yeah. Um, but actually, it worked out really beautifully. Um, and in fact, uh, you know, as I said, we had these developer projects, all of which were, were put on hold and, and never came back, which made me look to doing civic, cultural, institutional, which is really our main, yeah. our main focus now. Um, and uh, I, you know, I, I suppose that, you know, having written these books gave, 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 gave me some gravitas. And I certainly, yeah. you know, we, we, we now, you know, I like to think I know everybody now. I don't always know everybody, but, um, I, you know, I, wherever I am in the world, you know, I make sure I go to an office and I meet with the lead partner and, um, and, and writing the books, it really was amazing to me how different offices are and how important that office culture is in uh, project implementation. Yeah. And the books, you know, doing all those interviews with all those architects probably laid the foundation of the skills that you have today to be able to do that. Right. It was probably the seeds of learning how to have those interactions with architects. Right. And it's also, you know, interactions with clients. And, and, I, and I love people and I love discussion and I love to make sure that everyone's voice is heard and consensus and all of that. So it was a very nice fit pulling together all the various different di different skills that, that, that I have. Yeah. So when you started Dovetail, it started with developers. So the idea was to match architects with developers. Was that the original concept? Yeah, that was the sort of the original, yeah, original concept. It wasn't just developers, but I was thinking that that yeah. would be my sort of bread, bread and butter. But, that was your primary focus. Right, yeah. right, right, right. And we actually, we do now a fair amount of developer work, but um, but at the time, it was sort of, you know, couldn't imagine worse timing. Yeah, yeah. And so 2008 came, basically the construction industry in New York shut down. Yeah. I remember that time. I was living in, in Westchester in, in New York, um, and uh, I remember going to the city or seeing the city from the New Jersey side, because it's a great skyline, um, and and seeing no cranes, which was really strange, you know, yeah. during, during yeah. 2008, yeah. 2009, because there's always cranes in New York City. There's always something being built. Um, and that was actually the, the 
you know, as someone who loves to look at the city, right, from the New Jersey side, I'm a, I was born in New Jersey, so I'm a Jersey guy. So I always looked at the city from the New Jersey side. And, and when uh, the crane started coming back is when I realized that the economy was shifting, right? When you first see those cranes yeah. start popping up, yeah. you're like, oh, the developers are right. back in business. It's yeah. a very interesting, interesting time. And it's, so, it's actually so an go ahead. Now, let's say it's an interesting parallel um, to now when um, the stay at home first started, you know, being in Manhattan, there was no construction noise. It was sort of shocking. Um, yeah. You would wake up to, to, to quiet and go to bed to quiet. And then um, this Monday, actually, we started hearing and it was almost a relief. Yeah. Yeah. A comfort that, that it's, yeah. it's yeah. starting to get back to normal, right? Far from normal, yeah. but, but starting. Yeah. Um, so today, your your primary focus, you still do development work, but your primary focus is matching architects with institutions, right? So can you explain what you do today and how, how it works? Sure. Um, well, we run selection processes for either design teams, architects, landscape architects. Um, we like to come in early with an institution when they're just thinking about building the building and make sure that um, their aspirations align with their resources and their budget. Um, we are integral in putting together a decision-making body um, as well as writing the program and the design brief. Um, each project varies. Sometimes it makes sense to run uh, an open international design competition such as we did for the One Pulse Foundation down in Orlando, Florida for a museum and a memorial for the, um, to commemorate the shooting in a gay nightclub in June 2016. Um, sometimes it makes more sense to run an RFQ, RFP interview process like we did for the New York Public Library um, with an invited shortlist. Um, that was for their, their project, uh, the Schwarzman Building in the Mid-Manhattan Library. Um, so we, we, we start, you know, at the beginning of the project. Um, sometimes we put together the, the, the dovetail shortlist um, with lots of input from trustees and senior leadership. Um, uh, sometimes it's open and it, it invited. We ran a, a, a design competition for Bette Midler's not-for-profit New York Restoration Project a number of years ago. Um, she was interested in, in young emerging firms, so that we put together a shortlist of, of young firms. Um, which you know is of interest to your to your audience, um, and then e each project you know is, is is a process. So sometimes it's a two stage, sometimes it's one stage. Um, we're very 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 clear. We're known for being fair and equitable. And as I said, being an architect, I'm always very cognizant that entering any sort of even if it's open or if it's invited, any sort of selection process is a business decision on the part of, of architects. It's time yeah. and it's money. Um, and it needs to be a good fit. It needs to be something that, that, that the firm wants to do. Um, so you know, it, it, each process varies, but we like to build in as much client and architect interaction as possible because um, I think that that's absolutely key to the success of the project. To build those relationships so people can speak with people. Yes, absolutely. So we speak a lot with our clients about, you know, what is the decision making based on? And it's three very big buckets, one being experience, one being vision, and the third being chemistry. And I think they're all equally important. And if I had to say one was the most important in a way, chemistry is, you know, design excellence is always a given with any dovetail process. You know, that's sort of, we know that that's going to happen. Um, but a lot of the projects that I work on, 
they're you know going to last two to, to seven years and um the client and the design team have to get along it's kind of like being married yeah i i give advice to potential clients that same advice those three factors um because they sort of they, you know when you get that initial meeting with a potential because we do residential work right, um, right, that, right. they they ask me, well, what should I be asking? And so those are the three things I say. And, and the chemistry, I always say, is the most important. Right. Um, and I usually say that right when I feel like there's good chemistry. <laughs> <laughs> and, so, and then so... so great part. <laughs> give them advice on how they might, you know, interview other architects if they're going to do that. Um, and then that way they can sort of compare. And they focus on, because residential clients typically... Uh, very often residential clients this is their only project they've ever done. So they don't know the right. process at all. Right. Right? And right. so you, whatever you tell them is what they think is the process. So right. I give them advice. They appreciate that very often that it helps us because we did give them that advice. Right. But then when you're also, once we're hired and they ask, well, what about contractors? I say that same thing right. about contractors, right. but that chemistry, right. especially what you said about long-term process, right. Right. With residential contractors, they're often often having breakfast with you. Right. <laughs> right? right. They're, no, in your, they're in your house. Right. You know, every right. day. And, and so no matter no, no no matter if it's um a, a competition or an RFQ RFP interview, we always 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 bring um clients to architects' offices. I feel like it's such a good example of who they yeah. are, even and even small firms too. Um, uh, you know, it's it's really interesting and it really speaks to how they work, and uh, to see if it fits with the nuances of uh, my client's organization, how they work. Yeah, how is the selection process decided? I mean, I'm assuming you're working with a client, working with how they want to select an architect, uh, because you said some are open, some are closed, some are competitions, some are selection process. How do you determine which is which? Well, we work very closely with our with our, our, our clients to figure this out and um, present you know the various different options as well as our recommendations. Sometimes you know it's useful to have a, an open competition to raise the profile of a project, to generate buzz around it, to um, you know for fundraising purposes. Um, sometimes you know that makes a complete total sense. Um, that said, we will not run a design competition unless there is compensation for design you know concept design work absolutely thank you yeah no it's just it, it, you know it, it's sometimes a hard push but um we will not do that unless there is, is is compensation um other times um it makes more sense if they don't have the resources to pay for concept design or um you know it, it's a project that they they, they want to have a sort of you know secret capital campaign for a quiet i should say not secret um uh uh quiet capital campaign of being it makes much more sense to do an interview process it, it really varies on on what the project is and what the scale of the project is if it, let, our audience is small firms a lot of sole practitioners a lot of small firms typically under 10 15 members um it, if one of those small firms wanted to reach out to some of the institutions in order to get some of this work um, maybe be put on some of these short lists. What is some what is some advice uh, for them to sort of uh, prepare for that? How do they get recognized in that, in that situation? Well, I, you know, I might turn your question around. And, yeah. you, know, you know, advice for small firms as to how to get recognized is not necessarily cold calling institutions. Um, uh, you know, that's where 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 we 
Dovetail comes in and, and, right. and works with them to identify, you know, who to be looking at. But um, I would say that I think it's quite useful to, to speak um, at universities, mm. um, not necessarily to teach. I think that's useful, too. But those are hard, hard um, you know, jobs to get. But um, to, to, to raise your profile within the, that, that world, um, I think, is, is very useful for, for a trajectory of small firms to, to, to talk about their work various different places around the country. Um, and then they, get, they do get to be known. So it sounds like sort of using a thought leadership strategy where you sort of present yourself, present your knowledge, uh, interact with some of these institutions, uh, being able to speak with some of them at, at, at those institutions uh, in order to not only demonstrate your expertise, but also start building some of those one-on-one relationships with yes. potential decision makers. Yes, absolutely. And to be very clear about what your added value is for the client. What differentiates your firm from other firms? Very interesting. Do you take, um, do you take, can architects reach out to you and say, I'd like to be put on your list for a potential short? How does that process work? We are, we are, we are always welcome. Um, you know, we're, uh, you know, I get contacted on a, on a daily basis, but I look at everything and I respond to everyone. We're always looking for, for fresh talent. Um, I think absolutely people should feel free to send me a portfolio, shoot me an email. Um, I'm happy to talk about where they are, where they want to go. Definitely. Yeah. Great. Great. I, you, you will probably get several. I'm <laughs> delighted. <laughs> That's great. Dovetailstrategists.com is the website. If anybody wants to go see what uh, Susanna is doing, where her website is, what how it works, and reaching out. I'm sure there's a contact form on dovetailstrategists.com that you can reach out and say, hey, you just heard Susanna on Entree Architect Podcast, and I'm interested in doing what you do. So uh, I'm sure you'll have a few people reaching out great. to you. Before we wrap up, I would love to ask you the question that I ask everybody. I have I asked this over 300 times. We have over 300 answers of all different different types and different uh, variations. So what is one thing a small firm architect can do today to build a better business for tomorrow? Well, we sort of kind of just answered that with the... the <laughs> yeah, and it could be that. It could be that. Yeah, I think that they, the getting the name out, you know, speaking various different places um, about the work, about why you do the work um, and why your firm is different. Yeah, I think that's a great suggestion. Uh, our friend's name is Susanna Syrefman. It's S-I-R-E-F-M-A-N, Syrefman, uh, dovetailstrategists.com. We'll have all of that on the show notes. So you can just go to the show notes for this episode. We'll have a link directly there. Um, let them know. Let Susanna know that you heard uh, uh, Susanna and myself having a conversation at Entree Architect Podcast. And uh, Susanna, I'm really, I love sp- speaking with you. I think you're fascinating. I think Dovetail is fascinating. Uh, I always enjoy our conversations. And thank you. Thank you for sharing your knowledge here today at Entree Architect Podcast. Well, thank you, Mark. I very much enjoyed our conversation too. You've been listening to episode 347 with Susanna Syrafman, shortlists matching talented architects with growing institutions. If you'd like to share this episode with a friend, the Entree Architect link is entrearchitect.com slash episode 347. Please share that link with a friend so we can continue to grow this podcast throughout the Entree Architect community, throughout the AEC world. 
Entree Architect is a proud member of the most engaged AEC multimedia network on the planet, Gable Media, curated thought leadership for an audience dedicated to building a better world. Listen and subscribe to Entree Architect and all the shows at gablemedia.com. That's G-A-B-L media.com. And check out Entree Architect Academy membership. It's a membership for you, small firm architects. It's ready to edit business resources, live monthly training, supportive architect community waiting for you, ready for you. It's all waiting for you at Entree Architect Academy membership. Learn more and enroll right now at entrearchitect.com slash join. That's entrearchitect.com slash join. We'd love to see you over at the membership. Be well, my friends. Be healthy, happy, safe, and secure. Thanks for listening today to the Entree Architect podcast. Love, learn, and share what you know. I've mentioned it to my family, but in terms of telling people like, oh yeah, we're doing this, I'm looking for projects. You got anything? Yeah. I'm, I'm not there yet because it scares the out of me. Dreaming of launching your own architecture firm? Well, well, buckle up for a wild ride with Emerging, the podcast that shares what it's really like to start an architecture firm. Where do we begin? We don't even know what type of business to formalize as. Is it an LLC? Is it an LLP? Like, how are taxes? I mean, the list is astronomical. Season one featured founders Jeffrey, Lexi, and Chris, owners of Level Studio Architecture, are your fearless guides on this unfiltered journey from napkin sketches to a thriving studio. One evening, stumbled into one last dive, we sat at the bar and pondered our postgraduate futures. Amidst the conversation, a napkin became the canvas for our aspirations, sketching plans and milestones, sealing our heartfelt commitment and shared dreams. In drawing down dreams on a napkin collectively, that (laughs) then, you know, in your head, you've rooted like, oh, I'm connected to these people, like long term. The process of starting an architecture practice brims with excitement and challenges, demanding meticulous planning, flawless execution, and unyielding resilience. I kind of hate the term because it's so overly used, but I think everybody knows imposter syndrome. And I think it's it's so real to this day. I, I, I don't know if it's with everybody, but with me, I'm always questioning like us, can we do this? Are we ready to do this? Are we prepared? Can we do it? Did we just decide a name? <laughs> we did it, guys. Oh my the one that God. came out of nowhere. Woo! It came out of nowhere. I liked it. I saw it. Ready to turn your aspirations into reality? Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Emerging and chart your own path to architectural success. Calling all small firm architects. It's time to tap into your full potential with Entree Architects Context and Clarity, where inspiration meets innovation. Hey, it's Mark Arlapage, founder of Entree Architect, and I'm inviting you to join my two favorite co-hosts, Jeff Eccles and Katie Kangas, as they bring together authors, experts, and thought leaders for electric conversations with entrepreneur architects around the globe. It's not just a podcast, it's a community where dreams meet action. 
there is a simple equation there. And what for me, what that did, just doing that basic calculation was, it allowed me to compare what I had actually saved in my retirement accounts to what I thought a possible projected annual spend might be. Artists are temperamental, so beautiful design is going to be a priority. When the job is done, we're going to actually need to live in the house, not live with the person who designed it. <laughs> and so for me, the, the artistic skill, the architectural skill is most important. And so I would say like that would be 60% of it, if not more. Gain insights to build a successful practice. Subscribe, engage, and let's redefine your future together. Join the Context and Clarity community, where every conversation adds to your blueprint for success.